What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Cat Brooks. For 10 years, the Black Organizing Project fought to remove police from Oakland schools. Uh, developed from the Black Organizing Project's People's Plan for Police-Free Schools and an accumulation of the campaign launched in 2011, the George Floyd Resolution was passed on June 24, 2020, making OUSD the first district in the country to eliminate an entire police department. But that was just the beginning of the work, and the state is still pushing back, desperate to hang on to the status quo. Bob has released the People's Budget, a roadmap, as well as how much it will cost to end the criminalization of our children in the school-to-prison pipeline so prevalent within the Oakland Unified School District. We are joined this morning by Ebony Johnson, the Black Sanctuary Organizer with the Black Organizing Project, who leads most of the uh, BOP's uh, work surrounding the George Floyd Resolution and the People's Budget. Good morning, Ebony. Good morning, Kat. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for for coming on the show, Ebony. I mean, I, I did, you know, I, I did a bit of it in the introduction, but I, I always want to be cognizant of not, you know, doing inside baseball with my guests, just because I know about the work of something the listeners do as well. Tell us a bit about the campaign, uh, the ten year fight, um, and and what the win is supposed to actually mean. Yes. So, like you said, um, the campaign to um, basically better our school system, our boss campaign, was really all about building black sanctuary in open, in the schools, but in open, because we know the schools and community are so connected. And um, this campaign was launched in 2011 after Raheem Brown was murdered um, right outside of Skyline High School um, by Mm -hmm. school police. Um, And, you know, know, there were efforts to... um, get justice, you know, saying that in quotes because there's no real justice for the loss of a life. Um, but, you know, that that wasn't happening. And so, um, you know, the Black Organizing Project being a grassroots organization, um, you know, took it upon themselves to be, you know, we, we basically communicated with community, we communicated with um, school folks and found out that um, there was a real need to um, eliminate the school police department. Um, and so that's the, the campaign sort of shifted into focusing on that. Um, you know, and, and the idea really is to, um, you know, create a redesign of what safety actually means. So too often black communities um, are um, looked at as, you know, we're criminalized, we're targeted, and we're looked at as um, uh, people that need to be controlled and subordinated. And so um, we understand that, you know, even beyond the police, that that kind of mentality and that culture lives within the school system and their policies and the way teachers are even trained to teach. Um, And so um, the the work really has been about um, joining with our community to eliminate that, to shift the way uh, black people are seeing, to shift the way schools are providing education for our children, for our families. Um, and so that's the vision. The vision is to have a transformative um, design and, and, and 
beyond the design, a, a transformative implementation where there's actually real investment in um, the education and the development of our communities, you know, from our schools, you know, and beyond. Ebony, you mentioned the ways in which school districts look at black children, right? They are a microcosm of the macro view um, of, of which uh, the way in which black folks in this country um, are looked at. Uh, only telling what pieces you're, you're comfortable with. Talk about some of the pushback, because so yesterday, just to connect the dots, I had on Council Member Carol Fife and Dr. Melina Abdullah, and the three of us mm -hmm. talked about um, the, the, the vicious, the vile, the violent emails, text message, threats against us, threats against our children that we endure doing this work. And, uh, you know, I've been in communication with some of your folks and, um, you know, the greatest protection that we have as folks on these front lines is the people. So the people have to be made aware. So um, I, I just, if you could just talk about, and we'll get into the budget in a second, but I think it's real important um, to talk about what some of the pushback has been. Um, against simply the decriminalization, <laughs> ending the criminalization, um, the mm -hmm. assertion of the humanity of black children? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I mean, you know, so one, I want to say I'm definitely, um, you know, sorry that, you know, our, our people like you and, and Ms. Fife are having to go through um, threats and, you know, having to protect your families and, you know, it's a really ugly, um, situation. And so I definitely want to just extend, um, support to you all and, and just let you know that, you know, we're thinking about you and we also understand that because as you said, our people are going through, um, very similar things. Um, you know, the, the pushback has been constant, you know, the district is used to, um, making decisions you know, without community, they're used to um, being exploitive. Um, and so there's been a lot of, um, you know, sort of uh, a fighting to, to keep sort of the old systems in place, you know. So from, you know, a lack of transparency around, you know, how the budget process works, from, you know, not wanting to um, – really uh, involve or actually engage community in, in real decision-making, um, you know, from, you know, just continuing to push our children out. You know, we're still seeing, um, you know, like, the, of course, we know that expulsion and suspension impact black folks, black children the most, and they're still being expelled um, at way disproportionate rates than, than they should be. Um, and, you know, it, it just, it just, it, it, um, you know, it, it even goes back to the, to the closing of, of schools. And, you know, thankfully we have a board in place now who, um, reversed that decision, but, you know, closing our schools is, you know, we know an extension of, of gentrification also a, a very, very tied in, you know, our people have been being pushed out. Um, of the community. Um, we know that this is not just happening in Oakland, that this is anywhere black people are living. This is happening. Um, and closing the schools, you know, which oftentimes is the heart, you know, center of um, a community for us, maybe one of the only resources intact in our community. That's, that's you know, just another, um, um, you know, assault, um, a violent 
against our people. And so the pushback has, has, has really been, been consistent. <laughs> um, it's been tough. I want to extend the the same solidarity back to y'all, right? We we all we got, and and we stand with the Black Organizing Project and and your folks. Um, I want to walk through this budget a little bit. Uh, fifty seven million seven hundred and fifteen thousand three hundred and fifty seven dollars. The people's budget. Um, there are folks, not me. <laughs> there are some folks uh, that may say, you know, that's a lot of money for a district that claims to be claims to be so broke what say you all Mm -hmm. well we say that you know we were the board passed this resolution and the task was to um, identify what it costs to fund and invest truly in what safety looks like for our community and so that is what the design team the George Floyd resolution design team did. Our job was to um, do listening sessions, listen to community, and you know, Bach has been holding listening sessions and holding space with community and gathering stories and and data around what's needed um, and what needs to go for for a long time, but continue to do that um, as a part of this design team, and people were very loud and clear um, that we need, you know, Really, like one of the largest things people are saying they need is, is people. Um, there's not a student, not a parent, um, even even the educators and even principals who did not mention the need for adequate adult, caring adult staff to be present consistently on a daily basis on the on the campuses. And the lack of that mm. is creating, um, you know, it, it's really creating opportunities for. For, for more violence to happen. It's creating, um, uh, uh, it's, it's a lack of safety, um, in short. And so, um, you know, our budget is what we're saying, and really this budget is baseline. Um, you know, the, the district mm. has spends a ridiculous amount uh, of money. You know, they have a, a, a big budget. And so we're saying, if they're saying that they actually want to um, invest in safety, then... We're saying this is what it costs. Pay people, pay our people, pay the community who, you know, have relationships with the, with the with the, the students, with the families who are already honestly doing a lot of the work of violence prevention, really just out of this is what needs to be done. Um, pay them, <laughs> invest in them and right. their programs so that we can actually um, bridge the, the safety resources we need from the community on the school campuses. Ebony, uh, help me out with with some numbers here. So this is a fifty seven million dollar budget. This is annual. This is what it would be annual. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. So certainly okay. it would be annual, and it's baseline. Okay. Right. Baseline. What was the annual budget to have a whole almost cost a whole police department uh, in, inside of the district? What were they shelling out for that? So, yeah. So there was, you know, at one point, um, I believe it was two point five million that was just spent on the on the police, and then when you're adding um, the um, what was formerly the SSOs, it came to I think about mm-hmm. six point five million. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. 
So there's an, there's an immediate pot of money that can be redirected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm yeah. sorry, say that again. Are, no, I was just saying there's an immediate pot of money there that can be redirected, right, in order to, mm-hmm. to have actual safety that doesn't harm our children uh, in in place. Um, I want to walk through some of these positions because um, I, I want folks to know that the, the because abolition, right? We were having this conversation on on Sunday with with Miss Davis and 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 Jessica um, is not just about the eliminate. And I want to be clear: this is abolition. This is abolition right now, right? People talk about abolition as this thing that maybe we'll get to one day, you know, many generations down the line. George Floyd resolution is abolition mm-hmm. right now. It is not just about taking away. Abolition is about replacing building, right? Um, and, and this budget very much does that. Um, so there's a, a list of categories in terms of personnel. Talk to me about the role of culture keepers. What, what do they do on our campuses? Mm-hmm. So the, the culture keepers, they're frontline staff. And, and just to be clear, the culture keepers, um, as a part of the implementation of the George Floyd resolution, um, the, the culture keepers were formally identified, classified as the SSOs, the school security officers, who were... Um, um, trained and and, and 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 reported to the school police department. So part of the implementation, you know, the abolition work as you as you named was repurposing those positions to be one where you know culture and climate is integral to um, the way that they approach their work. Building that, like taking relationships as a primary approach to safety, and so. The culture keepers, you know, all, if not, most, if not all of them are, you know, people from the community. A lot of them are elders. Um, They already have relationships Mm. with, you know, with the students, with the families, with the parents, generations even. There's culture keepers that have been in um, the the district for, you know, you know, long as I've I've been alive, you know, over 40 years. Mm -hmm. And so um, these, these people are, again, the people that schools often rely on to do the bulk of the work when it comes to keeping kids safe and typically when it comes to responding to crises. So that the first people that are called to break up fights, they're the first people that are called sometimes even to resolve the fights. They're the first people that are mm-hmm. called, you know, when there is, if there is any um, sort of violent, um, violence that's happening in the community close to the campus, you know what I mean? So they're the ones yeah. that are, you know, tasked with, you know, following up with with families, particularly families who are angry and upset about their children not being protect, protected, and so they're right. and they're the lowest. They're one of the lowest paid staff in the in, in the entire district, but they're holding like a bulk of the work that the district relies on. Right, and so Ebony, I'm sorry, we, we we're salary. Go ahead. No, I just I'm running out of time and I just I just want to point out, right, these are living wage positions for our people um, with benefits. Uh, You know, there's also restorative justice facilitators, school nurses, family parent liaisons, trauma informed mental health counselors uh, and a safety program coordinator. Ebony, real quick, because I do got to move people that want to get get down with the continued organizing, learn more. Where do they go? So you can you can definitely go to our we're online on a website um, blackorganizingproject.org. We're on Instagram um, Black Organizing Project. Follow our Instagram. You can also um, reach out directly to our email info at blackorganizingproject.org to get more information. I'm also Ebony at blackorganizingproject.org. You can email me. Um, those are all ways that we can connect with you. 
All right, Ebony Johnson, thank you so much. Ebony is the Black Sanctuary Organizer with the Black Organizing Project. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.